0: Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have a great episode today. Kate Henley is our guest. You're going to learn so much from her. I think Her story is something that we can all relate to, especially if you've ever struggled with your body, if you ever struggled with your fitness journey, your nutrition. We talk about it all today, and Kate approaches nutrition, which is such a healthy view, and that's because she went through some hardships herself. So let me give you a little backstory on who Kate is. She... Uh, is was raised in the low country and she glided onto the ice as a competitive figure skater for nearly a decade before trading her skates for sneakers as a track and cross country athlete. Immersed in solo sports and mourning her parents' divorce, Kate developed a consuming drive for success and self-induced demand for perfection that she would carry with her into college. It all came to a head in 2012 with an eating disorder that landed her in the hospital for 30 days, followed by months of inpatient rehab. Through redirection and introspection, Kate did a hard reset on what she wanted to become, making the choice to start healing herself, mind, body, and soul. Kate went on this journey of trying to figure out who she was and who she wanted to become. Well, she was motivated for more and she transitioned into the health and fitness space in 2019 and found her calling to serve others by helping them balance and curate healthy lifestyles. Now she is a national board certified health and wellness coach and founded Wellspring in May 2022. Kate currently coaches health and nutrition clients through Rhapsody Fitness located in downtown Charleston and clients coast to coast through her business Wellspring. So we talk about all the things today. We talk about how her competitive sports led to disordered way of thinking, disordered way of eating, disordered way of exercising. We talk about all of the things. Such a great conversation that I had today. Um, What else? We're doing a giveaway. All that information is going to be at the end. So make sure you stay tuned to that. um, Kate is giving a free 45-minute appointment away. So you can talk to her about your nutrition, some of your goals. So all of the details, really simple, are at the end of the episode. And I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in it is the time of thanksgiving this is the wednesday before thanksgiving depending on when you're listening and just want to take the time to let you know how grateful i am for you for tuning in for showing support for sharing for leaving reviews on the podcast it really honestly means so much to me anytime i say a review it's like it makes me so happy i'm like i love reading those words and it's just um I love language to hear kind words and to see your shares on social media. Also, I don't know if you heard yet, but I've developed a new flavor of the high fiber cereal that I created, mostly uh, We have apple cinnamon now out. It's is limited, a limited edition. Will only go until Christmas time. It's delicious. It has oats, chia seed, flax seed, hemp seed. No cacao in this one. We have almonds. Um, chunks of apple. It's so delicious. Perfect for this time of year. I like to eat it cold with vanilla almond milk, but you can warm it up. You can put it in a smoothie. You can add it to your yogurt. Some people have said that they topped it uh, with their vanilla ice cream. It is so delicious. Mymoosley.com. You can find all that information in the show notes. Okay, you guys, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the show. You heard that introduction. We are going to dive into so much today. Today I have Kate. How are you doing, Kate? So
1: well, how are you?
0: I'm good. And thanks for being on the show today. No, thank you. I'm so excited.
1: You asked me, you sent me the invite and I was like, yes, as soon as we met, which I'm sure we'll get into that. um, But you know, you and I got to connect and learning more about the podcast and your story. So excited to be here.
0: Yay, yeah. so Kate and I met a few weeks ago at an event and she was helping a dash Me- Megan from a dash out. Megan and Kelly the uh Kelly was on the podcast probably about a year ago. They're Broadrick, they're amazing. And uh, Megan saw that we were together and she's like, you need to have Kate on the show and I I looked at your website and saw your story and I'm like, you'd be the perfect fit. So I'm so excited.
1: Me too. So happy.
0: Yay. Okay. So let's, we're going to kind of just jump right in. Can you start by what your fitness journey and your nutrition journey has been like over the years? Like, like when you first got into maybe, um, sports or introduced to exercise, yeah
1: yeah um I love that question and for me I really feel like that song you know like started from the bottom and now we're here because <laughs> totally. um, that's really what it's been like for me um so I, I for reference about to be 31 so this is my like 30th year huge year for me um just a lot of growth in my relationship with nutrition and exercise personally um I was a competitive figure skater which as a gal from South Carolina. That was a very rare sport to get into. Uh, But the Carolina Ice Palace had just opened in North Charleston. And we were all about it for birthday parties and things as kids. And I fell in love. So I started training and then competing in figure skating. And that was through high school for me, like early high school. Um, So that was a very like, zero to a hundred experience and kind of, you know, being allowed to dabble in dance and soccer and T-ball to then be like, I'm all in on figure skating. And, you know, it's very similar to gymnastics and other like very competitive sports. Once you say yes, um, you are training all types of ways. So there's off the rink, obviously on ice, but I had, you know, a personal trainer, I had a Pilates coach, I had dance classes, um, multiple coaches that I worked with in different capacities because they specialized in different things traveled a lot. So my whole childhood was just skating. And I didn't really think about exercise in any other way other than how it translated to my performance on the ice. And that was the only way I knew to think of it. Um, And skating, definitely a solo sport. So a lot of pressure, Um, you know, training was super important. My schedule was important. I had very minimal time for school or friends or anything. So I think that more than I thought gave me a very warped sort of perspective on sport and exercise and fitness. And I don't think I really understood what movement meant in mental health, Um, or even just for enjoyment, right? Because everything Mm. was for performance. Um, So once Mm -hmm. I kind of got out of skating, which again, was in high school, I transitioned to cross country running and track, which was the most random thing ever. But I feel like that was the sport in high school that you didn't really have to quote, be good at to make it onto the high school team. Uh Uh, So I started running. um, And I went from a winter sport to a 95 degree summer sport. And that was terrible. But Uh I loved it because it was like, yes, pressure, because you have to run well, but I got to be on the team. And I didn't know what that felt like. Um, So getting used to being around other people, enjoying exercise with other people, having more fun with it than I felt like I did with skating was great. Um, And then of course, you know, it's high school. So I'm thinking about like, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do in college? And I felt like the only thing I really understood was the body and moving it and training for something. So I had this whole idea that I was going to become either the next like sports med superstar, or a physical therapist. So I go up to college. That's the mindset, still in this like perfection, must overachieve in all aspects of life because that's all I know. Very, um, very self driven prophecy there. My parents were awesome. But this was something that I think came from skating that I just felt so burdened by. Um, So got to college, didn't play a sport there. But I had totally like 180% jumped in on I am exercise. And that is all I know. And it became my whole identity. And I dabbled in exercise physiology, more like human sports performance and things like that. So I was in labs all day. And then I had classes in the gym, and it became an obsession like full mm. on, there was no separating Kate from exercise because that was what she did. Um, and it became so unhealthy, so toxic so quickly. And I think, right, cause I had free reign, there was no like true structure outside of classes. So I really could just devote however much time I wanted to studying and working out. And I was like, great, that's, that's what I do now. Um, and it was a quick down spiral. It didn't take long um, before it became very disordered It was easy to start, you know, controlling food because that obviously we feel like goes hand in hand with exercise um, and able to to lie and get out of things and not go to social events so that I could work out or avoid eating something. Um, And that took up two full years of college for me. Um, I went to East Carolina because a lot of my friends from Charlotte's where we were ended up there and shout out all my friends You know, they were they were doing the college thing, the college life. And that was so against my whole mindset, just the rigidity of that and and being so obsessive and feeling the need to like perfect and perform was obviously completely against that, like carefree, wild college lifestyle. So Mm. I became a little isolated and tried to like pull in that way I could get away with more and and hopefully not have Mm. people notice how disordered it had become and how bad it had become. Um, But my friends were great. Right. And they were like, what are you doing? You know, like, why are you at the gym three times a day? Why are you calling us to pick you up from a run because your toes are bleeding because you've been running, you know, for hours? Like it was, it was not good. Um, so
0: sorry. your like extremeness, like so you you mentioned. So we can just like have a visual. So your yeah. exercise became like something you did for hours. Totally,
1: yeah, mm. and that was the only way I knew how to cope. I think, like you know, with trying to handle pressure and the need to like perfect and perform. I didn't understand like what the outlet for that would look like other than to perform well in school and perform well in the gym because that was really all I knew. And like looking back on it now makes sense, right? Like I grew up in a very competitive sport. um, So I think like when it came to finding an outlet for that anxiety or that need to do something and do it well, it was just a clear path to being like, great, then I can control my exercise. And therefore, I can control my food. Um, mm-hmm. And it became a full, full blown eating disorder. Um, and that was, for me, it was a lot of food restriction and over exercise. Um, mm-hmm. And they went hand in hand. And I, I experienced like little bouts of it in high school, but it didn't get bad until college. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say, navigating that, um, and we can go more into this too, I, I had a very big like life changing life altering event um, after my sophomore year. And so kind of the rest of my 20s was just trying to learn what movement actually is and was for me at the time and how to do it in a healthy way and how to actually enjoy it and not feel like movement is something we have to do to earn something or to punish ourselves for something or that it doesn't necessarily have to be this outlet that I throw everything into because I don't know other ways to take care of my mental, physical, emotional health. Um, yeah, yeah, which I think is so huge. There's, I could talk about that forever. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's been such a huge journey. And like I said, this year for me, I feel like full scope has been so transformative and finally feeling at peace with how I exercise and how I choose to move my body and what I choose to eat. Um, but it's not an easy journey. And I think anyone that struggles with disordered eating or, or even just tricky relationships with diet and exercise, it's, it's a path that we will walk forever. Right. And it's learning how to cope with those feelings and come up with strategies and come up with ways to talk to ourselves and take care of ourselves that are bigger than just the food and the exercise piece. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot there that was, it got really bad, um, and really scary, but it's, it's shaped a hundred percent where I am and what I do today.
0: What, what do you feel like was your breaking point where you're like, I can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah, I had a few. So we, I came home for my sophomore, I guess summer and sophomore year it ended. So it was the summer. It's about to start junior year. Um, that was when I was at my sickest. I was at my lowest weight, extremely unhealthy. Um, it was clear, like all my friends were asking questions and I knew something was wrong. I knew something was very wrong. I was starting to have what,
0: like, what were some of the questions that were asking? They were asking and were you offended or were you trying to hide it from them?
1: Yeah, great question. I, they would ask a lot about my patterns, right? Because I would, I would stay out of, I was in a sorority at the time. So I lived in the sorority house, which is tons of girls, right? Uh, We're all together all the time. So it was very obvious that like, I was not at the house as much, or I would leave to go to the gym, or, you know, I would lie. And that's a huge, you know, red flag when it comes to eating disorder specifically is I would lie all the time. I could lie my way out of any social event or any reason Mm -hmm. where, you know, I thought I was at the library or they thought I was here, but I was, you know, at the gym or running or whatever I was doing. And I think some of them closest to me had caught on Mm -hmm. um and kind of knew that like, okay, we she's she's gone way more than she needs to be. She's at the gym or she's not eating. We saw her come back. She didn't bring any food with her. Um so it was just like kind question was trying to be like, you know, is everything okay? Or do you really need to go work out again? Or like, you want to take the day off? Do you want to go to the dining hall? And it was more just trying to like, encourage me to go either go with them, or ask me what I was doing. Um, Nobody ever kind of cornered me, there was no, like, what are you doing? You know, we think there's a problem, none of that um and I think my family like my mom really struggled with that in the summer I think kind of trying to wrap her brain around how it had gotten this bad you know why hadn't somebody said something Mm -hmm. you know she wished she had done something sooner or someone had said something sooner and I think you know looking back on that there's a lot of right like guilt and questions and why didn't we do this or why did we do that um and that's part of the healing process I think for all of us that were involved um but when I got home like I said I was very sick and I knew like I was having some heart issues and just Mm. did not feel good, very tired, couldn't remember a thing and did not look healthy. Um, And again, was so used to just lying my way out of everything that I had set up this whole summer plan for myself. So I never had to be at home at this nanny job. I was shadowing at a sports performance, you know, training center in Charlotte. So there were just all these reasons why I didn't have to be at home and I could be at the gym doing whatever I wanted to do. And nobody ever saw me eat because I was out of the house most of the day. Um, and so I was definitely only getting worse. And my mom sat me down a few times and just tried to be like, Hey, like, what is going on? This, you do not look the same. You're not acting the same, but kind of a shell of yourself. Um, you're got some really weird exercise, exercise and food habits, and I'm not comfortable with them. And she started really like pressing down and was like, you can't go to the gym. If I don't see you eat X, Y, and Z, or if you're going to go to the gym, you need to bring back X, Y, and Z to eat for dinner. And she really tried, you know, like asking all the questions trying to help me do all the things and I had so many breakdowns and I was like I just can't do this this is so hard I can't make myself eating eat any of these things I don't want to go to the gym any less and so we started seeing someone uh, at the Center for Balanced Living in Charlotte and she was amazing working through some things with her just on the therapy and like mental health side and I had I think a, there was a nutritionist there so I was meeting with her too and just trying to get a better handle on like what those meals needed to look like. And it kind of came down to like us realizing that me going home and trying to do them on my own just wasn't possible. I was not healthy enough. I was not in a place where I could just start implementing those things in a way that everyone felt safe about, but also felt safe to send me back to school because I'm supposed to go back to college. Um, So I think we had this, gosh, I think it was like one night and I like had a total breakdown over dinner for whatever reason. Like I couldn't eat whatever my mom wanted me to eat. Um, And she was like, I'm not sending you back to school. Like bottom line is you are not going back. And Mm. she was like, if I can't see X, Y, and Z happen, no school for you in the fall, love you. But like, this is not okay. You are not healthy. And I cannot send you away like this. And I just burst into tears. And I was like, I can't do this by myself. Like, I'm so scared. I feel so unlike myself but I can't make it stop. I have tried. And there is I just am not capable. So we went back to the lady that I was seeing, and they recommended starting inpatient treatment. So we were going through all the steps with insurance and intake, which is a really long process to get admitted somewhere. Um, So we were looking at a bunch of places around North Carolina, and we had started intake with a few places, um, and just waiting to get like the finalized information on when I would be able to start and I ended up having a cardiac event thankfully Mm. in the doctor's office Uh, but I had a cardiac event what does that that mean my heart stopped technically which we didn't find out until after Um, my heart stopped for like full 10 seconds and kind of came back to and I knew like I like I mentioned earlier I did not feel healthy. Like I did not feel well. And there were clear signs that my heart was just really struggling to keep up with everything that I was doing. And I just didn't tell anybody. Um, and so that event happened. And I remember, I remember feeling like I was going to black out kind of like I was going to faint and went out, came back too. and th- that was the wildest feeling. I'll never forget. It. I always get goosebumps when I talk about it, but came back and it was like, everything in my body was restarting. Like I couldn't talk, I couldn't move, but I took that like big breath, lights came back on, eyes open, could hear. And it was literally like, I was just frozen. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I was just like born again. Like that was the only way I could explain it. Cause I was like, whoa, I'm back. I don't know where I went, but I'm back. And obviously got admitted to the hospital in Charlotte. So I was in downtown Charlotte, Levine Children's Hospital for a month because mm. their How job there was to refeed. So mm. we had to refeed. And get my heart rate stabilized enough to where a center would admit me because I was too much of a medical risk to be admitted um, at that state. So their whole job is to just like get food and me. Um, I was totally bedridden. I was only allowed to get up to go to the bathroom um, until they made sure everything with my heart was clear. So I had a babysitter and my whole whole family. And we lived in that tiny little hospital room uh, for 30 days, which is how old
0: were you when this happened?
1: I was I guess 19 to 20 because um, I would have been about to start my junior year so yeah 19 to 20 um, in a hospital bed with and my doctor was amazing she was a eating disorder specialist and um, I got to stay in the children's wing of the hospital and the nurses were incredible we still keep in touch with them actually there's a few mm-hmm. there that we still talk to um, And so very blessed by that scenario um, and it was very eye-opening right because I think treatment, in my current state, you know, before the cardiac event, I think would have been a hell of a lot harder if that hadn't happened, because that was really like, a. there is no other choice here, Kate, like you have no other choice but to get healthy, you yeah. have to figure this out, um, your life almost ended because of this and you have 60 plus more years to go to do your thing and figure out your purpose here. So like, you, we got to get it together. And you know, 30 days to lay in a bed and look out the window. i kind of like watch life happen. And I was like, I don't know who I am. I don't know how easy this is going to be. I don't know what I am going to do next, but I'm going to fight for it.
0: Uh, Did you feel like a sense of like relief? Like, okay, everybody knows the secret is out. And I, you know, like, or or were you still worried? Yeah, I think it was
1: both. I think there was like some relief to it. And I think relief that like, okay, I can, I can get help. Like I have Mm -hmm. a chance to get some serious help here and feel better. Um, But there was, and for a long time, I, I would say for a good five to six years, there was so much shame. I hated talking about it. This The story I just told you, I would not have not been able to tell. Like, I hated to talk about it. There was a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. I felt really guilty. Um, you know, I felt like people were just going to look at me and be like, oh, it was all for like, she thought she needed to be skinnier to be pretty. You know, I just had that whole, you know, made up story in my head that people were just going to look at me and kind of roll their eyes and like, oh, you know, another little girl that doesn't like to eat food. She's afraid to be facts. There's such a stereotype around both now, mm-hmm. um, both body types, which is so crazy to me, you know, what we, the world we live in now with diet culture, but, um, uh, I had so much shame. So I think especially then, I felt so guilty and sitting in that room and watching like what my family was going through. um, And I have a little brother and what that was like doing to him. Um, So I think there was definitely relief, but it more so started that cycle of like, I've got to wrap my brain around like, this is my story. Like this happened to me. You know, I didn't ask for this. I certainly didn't mean to do this to myself, but here I am. And it's just like any other mental health disorder, you know, everybody's got a little something and Mm. it's okay it just needs to be talked about. And we need to share stories like this so that we can all do our part and take a step forward and making sure that it happens hopefully to fewer people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, it, it was great for, for both things. It just took me a long time to be able to talk about it.
0: Right. Do you feel, cause I know there are parents listening and their child might, uh, being a competitive sport, maybe it's figure skating or gymnastics or Cheerleading or running, whatever it could be, any sport. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like your figure skating journey contributed to your disorder? And if so, or your cross country, or if um, and if so, like how?
1: Yeah. No. Definitely. Because I, it's interesting. Because I work with um, some younger athletes now, and their parents kind of say the same thing. Of like, it's just. Maybe not necessarily something that the parents are saying or that the coach is saying, but the environment totally. itself can just condition you in such a way that you think about your body and your food and your exercise so, so differently from maybe, let's say, like, just the average person. Um, and I think skating, you know, even though my parents weren't those like, you know, the dance mom parents on TV you right. know, whatever, <laughs> they, they weren't them technically, um, they were very invested And skating is extremely expensive. So I think because of like their level of investment and care, I also like place that on myself,
0: which Mm -hmm. I'm that kind
1: of person anyway, like that I will people please till the day I die. And that's just how I am. So I think like, you know, a little bit I was born with, you know, I'm very much a doer. I like to do things well. I like to do things right. I like to get good grades and check all the boxes. And I've always been that way. So I definitely have that more like anxious, perfectionistic mentality. So I think you couple that with a very competitive solo sport. And it made for just like the perfect storm there to be like, okay, cool. Well, all I know is the better I can do in my making myself smaller, or, you know, pushing myself harder to train, the better I will perform, um, definitely created that outlet for me. And like I said, I think, you know, plenty of kids out there who are in that very competitive environment, it is something that a should be talked about, and, and a watchful eye out for sure. Because I think it happens for me, it, it was happening. And I didn't even know it. I didn't mm. know until I got to college, the sport was so far removed from my life. And right. it was like, Whoa, wow, actually, because of that, I now tie all of my worth and my sense of control in my exercise and what I eat, because I think it's going to better the outcome.
0: Now, from your perspective, is, is there anything that could have been said or taught, you know, when you were in those competitive sports, like if, as a parent listening, maybe a coach listening, um, to kind of help, you know, the students, the kids are participating in these sports to maybe avoid um, going down that, that path of self-destruction.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it needs to be talked about in a more holistic way, right. Of like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the sport, what you're in, though it is competitive, like we're choosing to do this because it's fun, because it's bringing something to your life that maybe wasn't there before. Like it's filling you in a way that, Um, you know, is special that you're getting not only a physical benefit from, but you feel like it's part of who you are and your personality and you love it. And skating for me was that, but that got so lost in all the other mess. That it was like, Oh, somebody really just kind of like took the time to be like, why are we skating? Like, why are we doing this? Are we having fun? Bottom line? Are you having fun today? Are you moving in a way that feels good today? How is your body are you sore? Are you tired? Right. Do we not need to be doing you know, these training sessions today? And you know, we take that approach now. I work with a lot of clients in some gym settings and that approach to me is so much more important because it's like, yes, this is a huge piece of my life, but it's not who I am. My entire identity is not developing or totally engulfed in this sport or this thing so am I taking care of myself in all aspects am I still having fun and my wellness is not just the training that goes into this are there other outlets for me to make sure that I am mentally and physically well and are those being talked about are they supported are they encouraged and I think you know we, we hear about it all the time you get into these sports and it's like this is supposed to be your whole life and you don't do anything else and I think that's where it goes totally south there has to be other things and I I remember I didn't even have time for friends I didn't even know what sleepovers were because mm-hmm. I wasn't a, able to go on them because I was always training or traveling or doing things and I think if I had had that balance of like I have some friend time like I have some me time you know and then there's skating and skating feels fun and I feel like I'm doing well because I'm still taking care of all these other important pieces of my life and those get so you know thrown out the window very easily so I, those conversations and reminders are. Just so important.
0: Mm. Was nutrition ever discussed?
1: A little, but not like surprisingly not as much as you'd think. Like I remember, and this I roll my eyes all the time. Of course, is like the one thing I remember. But I remember my Pilates trainer, and she would either come over, or I would go to her house, and I would train on one of those reformer things for like an hour. And I remember she would like squeeze me sometimes, and like pinch my tummy or like my arm and be like, Oh, we're getting rid of this. Like, this is what we're doing. Like you, ha- you have to be lean or you have to be small. Like we've got to stay trimmed to like be fast on the eyes or rotate, you know, how many times in the air. And, but nobody ever, like, literally no one ever was like, Oh, this is like how you should think about food as someone who trains as much as you do, who, you know, works as hard as you do. Like, this is why food is important. This is how to have a healthy relationship with it. We need to think about food as like nourishing and fueling all the things that you're doing. Like it was never talked about that way. It was either talked about like, we need to eat less. Like you can't have fries. You need to have broccoli or like, we're trimming this. There was never that just, things,
0: like, words that they would use or verbiage
1: it was always just about, I mean, skating, it's like dancing, right? Like it yeah. is is—you a smaller frame to do what is required out on the ice at the speed and the skill that it's required. So everything is always about like being small and being light and being lean. And there's never any like verbiage that's like strong
0: <laughs> or right. like,
1: it's okay to have muscle. And that was for me too, was the other thing is like with skating and training the way I was, my muscles developed so much faster than my friends. So Mm. I was always self-conscious because I couldn't wear the clothes that they wore. I couldn't fit into the jeans. I couldn't, you know, try on their dresses because my body was getting bigger than theirs was. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me. I didn't understand that. So I was like, well, my body's bigger. I can't wear those pants. Uh, But there was never that just like encouragement of like, you're an athlete, bodies change. Everybody is different. This is how we feel properly. This is how we take care of ourselves when we're not training in terms of recovery. None of that. which is so mind blowing to me now. (laughs) It's so
0: crazy. Yeah. Especially in your field, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, nutrition isn't taught in school all of that much. They teach the food, food pyramid or whatever. But I mean, that is basically it. It's, it's like much like finances, right? It's like not taught in school. So it's, you have to take um, ownership and teach yourself and constantly be seeking knowledge um, around this topic Let's talk about how you started to begin to heal, how long it took and how you approach nutrition now. Yeah. Um,
1: And I will say this, I say this to clients I work with now. And I say this to myself every day, my Mm. healing process will be forever. This is a journey I will walk the rest of my life. um, And that is okay. And I think that's like the number one thing to communicate to people who are Struggling, or maybe just starting recovery, or thinking about recovery, or struggling in recovery, it is a road that you will walk the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. that does not make anything wrong or bad about the situation. Again, everyone has something that they struggle with, that they battle, and it is a lifelong journey to choose the other option. Um, so for me, it's very much that story. And I relapsed several times, you know, never to the extent where you know, I was back in rehab or anything, but there were definitely very significant times where I was getting back on my feet. I I transferred. So I finished at CFC, um, came back to Charleston originally from here. So that was great. Like I got a fresh start, got to come back to the city that I love. Um, But it was very hard for me to be out on my own again, um, and not have, you know, my immediate family there to be making new friends, trying to work, trying to go to school. Um, And it it was a perfect storm, right? So I, I had two pretty good relapses you know were pretty significant and you know family kind of got involved again and I started working with just some local um, therapy and nutrition coaches and things like that, um, to help me kind of get back on my feet. And then, uh, really for me now, it's just that daily choice of like, this is the life I want to lead. This is how I want to love myself. This is how I want to view my body. This is how I want to view my entire journey. Now with that gratefulness perspective of like, I have this one life, and this one amazing body that was given to me. And it is my job to just care for it and love it and take care of it the best that I can, um, which is very much how I view my movement and exercise now. Um, In the 20, my 20s were just kind of like, I hopped around like I career, um, you know, I did five years in hospitality before I even decided I was brave enough or well enough to go back into health and fitness. Um, And I bopped around, I tried everything. And I definitely recommend that. Um, not settling, that you can never do something again, or that you can only do one type of movement again after coming from, you know, struggle like mine. I tried everything. I yoga, I did hit, I did spin, I did long distance running again. Like I just really tried so many things to be like, what makes me feel my best? Where do I feel strong? Where do I feel balanced? Do I truly love this? Am I having fun? Again, all those questions. Um, And now, for me, it's weightlifting. Like weightlifting mm-hmm. is my thing, and I think that's also helped me with my nutrition so much because the food piece not as easy as the exercise, right? Because like we have to eat, we gotta face food all the time. Food is always talked about; it's always around. We live in like the food city of the world. I yes, feel like such good food um, here. So yeah, the food piece is an ever ongoing thing. Because I think rather than the exercise, that's what my brain goes to first is like, this is just quick control. Like I can just mm-hmm. quickly control what's going in. Um, I'm, and if I'm cooking it, if I'm getting it out, it doesn't matter. That is immediate control. Um, so I think the food piece, a little bit of a longer navigation there. I don't track anything ever. I, I don't track, I don't track. Did you weight. used to track, track. Yeah, I was very calorie conscious, not mm-hmm. so much like macro conscious, uh, extremely calorie conscious. Uh, I could tell you the calories in everything. So I don't do any type of tracking. I don't wear fitness wearables. I don't even step on a scale. I yeah. go to the doctors and I ask to go on backwards.
0: Um, You're the like second I- person that have said that. And <laughs> recently, so I had another woman on here, Heather uh, McWright, she shared her story. And so... I struggled with weighing myself every single day, basing my mood off of what I weighed. And I haven't weighed myself since July. And that was a big (laughs) milestone for me. And I was like, when she was telling her story, I'm like, she doesn't weigh herself. Oh my gosh. How did she get to that point? And, you know, and just interviewing women like you. And I'm like, you know what? You have to just pull the plug and just decide to stop sometimes. And it doesn't matter what else. And it's like the same thing. Um, my my husband is a pilot and he has a, um he flies a small aircraft, but you have to pay attention to your weight. You have to weigh everything. You have to weigh each individual and the baggage and everything. I'm kind of going on this wow. tangent here, but he weighed me like last month. And I'm like, I don't want to know, just yeah. don't tell mm-hmm. me because- I don't care. You know, I want to feel good and I don't want to base my happiness off of what I weigh on the scale. So sorry, I went off on that. So you don't weigh yourself. You don't track calories. Um, how did you get through that where you're, you know, where you constantly were, do you phase it out or was there like a decision? Like, okay, I just have to stop.
1: Yeah, I really, I dropped, calories, I tried to drop that immediately, like after leaving recovery, um, you know, I, I was at a three month inpatient after the hospital stay. So they did a great job there, of like really teaching us how to balance our meals and plates with a totally different mindset. So I left with that kind of like new philosophy in mind. And I really tried, I tried my hardest to just like let calories go and just eat what sounded good to me, eat what felt nourishing. And there were so many things, you know, that I had restricted, not let myself have that. That was the hardest part. I don't think it was so much the calories, but it was like foods that I was absolutely terrified of, like would make me cry. I what was were some so of those scared. foods? Oh, p- peanut butter, uh, chips, lots of Harvey things, bread, bread terrified me, um, mm-hmm. you know, chips at a restaurant, desserts peanut butter was a huge one i was so terrified of peanut what butter peanut I butter that like fake peanut butter like because peanut butter especially calories wise right like you look at calories and something that you can only have two tablespoons of so the serving size says um was just so fearful to me because i was like oh mm. my gosh you know i only let myself eat x amount of calories a day that doesn't fit in the budget um okay. so there were just so many things that i had completely let go of that i truly loved and that was the hardest part of being like it is okay for me to eat these foods, love these foods, I don't have to count them, I don't have to measure them, they can just fit in my day and in my diet, however I want them to. And that was something that was like a bigger turning point for me much easier now, so easy. Now I don't even think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But then kind of walking through those first couple of years was just being okay with eating a pizza just because I wanted to eat a pizza, you know, and letting some of those rules go. Um, so yeah that that was a a process and the food thing like I said is still a knee-jerk and I think for it is for a lot of people right because it is just so controllable and something we're so conditioned to think about whether it's in a positive or a negative light um, but yeah I think the scale too, like not being beholden to a number and just like you said right like The scale doesn't define my happiness and it doesn't define me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I became terrified of the scale pretty much after leaving the hospital because we had to weigh in at the recovery center just Mm -hmm. to get checked and stuff. And they wouldn't tell us or anything, but we had to weigh in. Um, And there was a while there where the scale for me was kind of fearful because I was afraid a that I would have gained weight, but also there were weeks where I'd be afraid where I wouldn't have, because I didn't want to let down the people who were hoping that I would. Um, So the scale became this whole weird thing where I was like, oh, secretly, I don't want to gain weight. But also if I don't gain weight, they're going to be mad at me. Um, And that continued on, you know, like when I relapsed and was trying to get better, I would have to send my weights in to family and therapy and all those things. So I just let that go. I was like, I, once I got to a point where I was like, great, we've gained back what we needed to get to. I never want to know my weight again, ever Mm. Um, and that's, I go to the doctor's office and they're so nice about it. They don't even ask. I'm like, great. I step on backwards and they're like, okay. And they yeah. don't, they won't even put on my report for me now. If I don't want them to like include it on my patient summary, I'll just ask them. I'm like, they're like, great, no problem. Um, right. and I tell people that all the time clients too. I'm like, just, they don't care. Just right. go backwards. You don't have to know it. Throw the scale away. Right. Um, and especially when we think like big picture in terms of like, being well and being active. There's so many things that go into like our total body composition that that number is just so disproportionate to where we actually are with our health that I'm like, we don't yeah. need, we don't need to know. We don't right. need to wear it around on our foreheads and say, hello, nice to meet you. This is what I went.
0: Cause yeah. Nobody
1: thinks that way.
0: This is so true. Mm-hmm. So true. Okay, so you talk about getting to the point where you don't, you know, you don't worry about the scale or have, you know, you don't, you don't track. What do you think was the biggest turning point in order to get to that place? Was it the therapy? Was it the programs? Was it your mindset? Um, What could you say that you're like, okay, that is really what helped me change myself mentally. Because at the end of the day, right, it's our mindset, it's our thoughts that have to change. And that's not something like you said, it doesn't happen overnight, um, and you've, you've had struggles where you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going down this path again. You know, mm-hmm. I, I need to, uh, recalibrate. So what ultimately, because it's been a long time, right. You were yeah. first admitted when you were like 20 and mm-hmm. now you're, um, approaching 30, 30 or 31. Did you say 31? coming 31, up? Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> um, the thirties are way better than the twenties. I can say it's like wine, it gets better yes. with age. Yes. Cause some of the things you're saying, I'm like, Oh my God, I experienced the same things in college where yeah. I'm like exercising and controlling things and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, what do you think was the biggest thing for you where you're like, okay, this is really helping me heal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head mindset and a yeah. therapy. Everyone should go. I don't care if you think you are perfectly fine. Everyone should go. Uh, learn tons of helpful tools there, mainly just an outlet, right? Like an unbiased person to just talk to um, and have things make sense, learn strategies, reinforce the mindset. Um, So therapy huge for me, so helpful. Uh, But at the end of the day, It has to come down to you, right? Like you and the mindset of, I am going to get healthy. I can do this. This is important to me. And every time, like, yes, I would stumble and I'd have some tough, like, relapse gaps there where it seemed easier to just go back to the disorder and fall back into what I knew or what was comfortable. I would make myself, you know, kind of like reality check what are you doing? Okay, the parents have said this is enough, you know, the therapist is saying, let's talk about these things. Let's use some of these tools. But that's not going to work until you check yourself and remember what that felt like to lay in a hospital bed, when you should have been having a great summer headed back to your junior year of college. Instead, you're laying there, you know, they're telling you that your heart stopped, it was a miracle you didn't have brain damage, Mm. and that you know, everything restarted. And you have, this whole second chance in front of you, what are you going to do with that? And Mm. I always felt so called, I had no idea what I was doing for, you know, five, six years after that. But I always felt just so called to this purpose of this happened for a reason. Mm. You know, this is my story. And it may cause shame, guilt, sadness, but ultimately, it's mine. And it's mine to decide how I'm going to live and how I'm going to share it and how I'm going to hopefully help other people because of it. So it was that mindset for me. I would just have to look at myself in the mirror and say, this is enough. Like, why are you trying to shrink yourself and make yourself as small as possible? I mean, this mentally and physically, when you are capable of so much, you were put here to do something big and it's time to get healthy and get strong so that you can do it. And I would just fight. It was a fight every day, waking up and putting my feet on the floor. I'm like, that thing doesn't get to win today because we were put here to do something incredible.
0: Mm, Yes. So good. So now you help other people on their journey with nutrition. Can you kind of go through your protocols and routines with clients and what do they often come to you for? Are they trying to lose weight? Are they trying to gain muscle? Um, are they trying to, um, compete in, yeah. you know, um, whether it's a sport or a fitness competition, or so how do you, first of all, how do you walk your clients through nutrition and how mm-hmm. do you approach it in a way that is safe for them?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I feel really, really fortunate in the year and a half or so that I've been doing this full time, I have the like greatest like pockets of clients, I was explaining this to someone the other day, like, it was so cool to me that I didn't just have to pick, right? Like, I'm not just in sports, or I'm not just in eating disorders. Like, I feel like I just have such a wide variety of people that find me with their own stories and their own goals. And I love that. Because, again, I'm not in a box. And I feel like nutrition is one size does not fit all. And Mm. just because of my story, my experience doesn't mean that somebody else is going to have those same feelings or think of nutrition in the same way. So it's been really cool to kind of practice and experience working with all these different types of clients. So I have some exactly like you said, that are competitive, and we're training for things, you know, weightlifting or running or whatever that is. And then I have some that are just like, in that real health phase where we've gotten some orders from doctors about some health markers and we're trying to tweak nutrition a bit to get those health markers back in line. And sure for some, right? Like we're always looking at either muscle gain or maybe a little weight loss, whatever their goals are. Um, And then some find me through that kind of eating disorder recovery channel. Um, I get a lot of really amazing referrals that I'm kind of part of that team that's helping, better the relationship with food, exercise, and kind of that mindset. So we're walking through, you know, really specialized things there. Um, and like I said, it's not one size fits all. So I really, I take a very in-depth, a very individualized approach to get to understand my clients, get to understand how they learn best, um, what food has kind of meant to them throughout their whole life. I think we learn a lot of things in childhood, right, to kind of shape how we view food and exercise now. Um, And then I'm like, great, okay, what are these goals? Why are they your goals? Why are they important to you? How can we tackle them in the way that is healthiest for you, that is fun for you, that's going to make them feel attainable. And for some people, yes, I have tons of clients that they track. And that is how they feel their best. That is how food makes sense to them. That is how they they hit their goals and it just works for them. And it doesn't cause any sort of like disordered toxic relationship. And I'm like, wonder what that's like, but that's great for you. That's so great for you, you know? And so I have some that their brains work that way and that's how they love to, to deal with food. And then I have some that are like, absolutely not. I will never track. And so then we're really in that like intuitive space of learning like, okay, I still need to make sure I'm eating enough. And when I say enough, I mean like most of us under eat just because we don't truly understand how much food we actually need to perform at our best. And I mean that at work or as a mom or even in sport. Um, so making sure we're eating enough, you know, covering all of those great macronutrients, how to shop and plan for the week, prep food for the week, you know, what a meal plan could look like, quote unquote, if we're cooking at home, um, things like that. And then, you know, like I said, the eating disorder um, or food relationship clients, it's just a really specialized Kind of approach at looking at how do we heal? How do we move forward how do we make food our friend again how do we make our body our friend again um, but it's nice because i it's, i get to work with so many awesome people that are doing really cool things and i just get to be a part of a team that fits into their life in a way that feels like it's adding to it i am not as you could probably imagine a restrictive person mm-hmm. um, and i'll tell people that like right off the bat i'm like if you're coming to me looking for me to tell you exactly what to eat and how much from sunup to sundown and we're taking five things out of your diet and telling you to go to the gym five days a week, like you're not going to get that hair ever. Mm. So you <laughs> have to find somebody
0: else. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I know there is for me too, I was one of those people that I wanted to be told exactly what to eat, when to eat it in order to look a certain way. And it took trial mm. and error because we are, you know, Just so much information is thrown at us, right? We're inundated. What's the word? Inundated? Inundated? (laughs) Yeah. Like try to spit it out. I have it in my head and then I go to say it. I'm like, that does not sound right. With all of this information, we're like, where the hell do we start? And somebody listening right now is like, okay, I don't feel good in my body. I don't fit in my clothes the way I want to fit in them. Mm -hmm. What would you say... To them in order for them to feel like they are in control and are there any like tips that can work for everyone and if so what are they
1: yeah definitely um and I think that's such a valid such a valid statement And I I posted something about this recently. And I think no matter what you walk or have experienced with food, exercise, your body, it is so valid to say, like, I am not comfortable in my body right now, right? Right. Like, I feel like something in my body needs to change, regardless of whether that's true or not, right? Like, I think that's such a valid statement. And we get told, I think a lot by diet culture and the media about like what body should look like and what body is okay. and What body is not okay. And I'm like, it's such BS. Like, however you feel in your body is truly how you feel in your body, regardless of what's made you feel that way. So I think like, come, like you should be able to share those concerns. And like, let's talk through like, what are some of the reasons we may be feeling that way? Okay. If there is a change we want to make, like, what does that change realistically? look like to make sure that you feel more comfortable and more happy and more loving towards yourself and like you're taking better care of yourself um, you know, in the way that makes sense to you. And so I think, you know, tips like that, again, I think it's the willing to be open about it um, and, and ask, like having the courage to say that to someone or ask someone, and then that step forward, like if you're not already working with someone or in connection with someone, maybe it's time to find like either a coach or someone who works, um, you know, in nutrition, whether it's a dietitian, nutritionist coach, whatever that looks like. Um, and start walk working through like some of those tips of like, what does nutrition mean to me? What does it need to look like for me, um, to feel more comfortable? And I always say like, we, we have food beliefs inherently we do. Um, and so if you know, right off the bat that there are some that are toxic for you, whether it's like restricting them or binging, whatever that looks like, like Maybe pick one like it doesn't have to right. be all of them but like pick one that you know is really limiting you from feeling your best and like just chip away it doesn't have to be perfect but like chip away at like removing that one thing that is holding you back and before you know it you be like great i've got one now i can look at this next one or look at this next one Maybe you're some people that's adding in exercise you know they feel like i would really feel better if i could just dedicate 30 minutes a week to exercise so it's like right. great maybe we start with 10 um so it's hard you know to say like great maybe this would work for all of you but i right. am a small steps i'm never a big, big tackle this all at one time kind of person. Like the more we can baby step this and understand that it's not going to happen overnight as a small process and 1% better every day um, is the mentality there.
0: I love that. Cause it is patience. It's, it's something that takes when, when you say that to people, like it's, it's a long process, you know, and it's the long game, it's a marathon, yeah. right. In order to, I guess, know your body. It's like discovery. And then yes. your body also changes. Hormones change. So you have yeah. to be willing to be like, yeah. okay, this happened. This used to work for me. It no longer works for me. It's no longer serving me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's develop a new strategy, but it is, it is a long game and it doesn't happen overnight. So I think that's great that you mentioned great. that with the holidays approaching, you shared like a real other day of like um, healthier uh, recipes and yes. things like that. And, you know, as, as a coach um, and you help other people, how can we approach the holidays mm-hmm. where we get to enjoy food and it doesn't become an obsession of ours? Like I can't eat that. Or if I did eat that, like I feel guilty for that. Yes. Just being able to mm-hmm. enjoy the moment rather than Uh, feeling guilty for having something or not having something. Totally. Um,
1: I'll say this right now. Cauliflower is not a mashed potato. You don't have to convince (laughs) yourself that it is because it's not. So just (laughs) eat the mashed potatoes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those things drive me crazy right now. It's like your healthy swaps or how to burn off your Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm like, please just don't even read those. Don't read those. The problem. I'm so
0: guilty. I want (laughs) to say that. Like I've been guilty of, coming up with a healthier version right. of a recipe and saying those things. And now when, when you know better, you do better, but yes, I get yes. what you're saying. So, yeah.
1: um, so absolutely. I ha- and I too, like, I'm guilty yeah. of it too. And I think like, sure. If you want to have some like veggie based options, you want to have your gluten-free, you want to have some dairy-free along with what you would normally have. And it's not out of like, I am restricting myself from having the Thanksgiving meal I want to have. That is where the problem comes in. I'll tell you the one only problem that is out there with the holidays is it's a all or nothing mentality. Totally. That is how everyone views the holidays. It's either I am all in and I am just going to forget about my nutrition. I'm going to forget about my wellness, my exercise until January 1st. And I'm just going to throw everything out the window and go crazy for the holidays, and not care. And then I'm going to deal with myself on January 1st Oh my gosh, or yeah. people are like, Ah, I'm going to restrict everything. I'm going to over plan. I'm going to overdo. I'm going to work out twice a day. I'm going to plan out all the meals and I'm going to make sure that I don't blow it the, the holiday. And either way, we all know is doomed to fail. None of right. those are going to work. None of those are going to leave you feeling happy, feeling well, feeling balanced. So I always say this, like control what you can control. If you know that there are certain foods that make you feel your best, certain movement makes you feel your best, getting eight hours of sleep, drinking your water throughout the day, like Incorporate those things, right? Like take them with you on your vacation, do little bits and pieces of them on vacation. But when it comes down to it, like having a meal with your family, eating your traditional foods, spending time together, laughing, taking a break from what we normally do, that is 10 times better for you than swapping out all of those foods on that table for something that you don't actually want to eat. Mm. (laughs) And it's one day. We're going to do this for a day, maybe two. It doesn't matter. We'll be back at it the next week. Like it's really like, we hype it up in our brains bigger than we need to. Um, so yeah, I think don't all or nothing yourself. It's okay Ooh. to be in the middle.
0: Yes. Oh, that should be the tagline of this episode is don't all or nothing yourself. I think that yes, might be that's the title. Don't all or nothing yourself. I think that's yes. what I'm gonna name this. Oh, so freaking good. Um, where can people find you if they're like, oh, I need more time uh with Kate? I want to watch her reels and just see the in and out of her day. Where can they find you?
1: Yes. So I officially launched like the new little biz name and kind of the hub for everything a few months ago, which is really exciting. So all of that is Wellspring by Kate. Wellspring is one word. My website is up there, that same name. My Instagram is at Wellspring by Kate. And there's tons of content on there as well as my personal page. Uh, My personal page, I share a little bit more um, eating disorder related things and kind of like my personal journey through kind of getting to where I am now. And that one is Kate, not Kate, K-A-T-E, not C-A-T-E. But yeah, I'm out there. I'm on the gram. I love to talk. Like I said, like working through my guilt and shame journey to where I am now, I love to talk to people and I feel like the more I can share or do or listen or, you know, try to help, um, the better. So love to talk more about just kind of my experience or even just connecting with other people who may have been through the same thing.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. And I know you're helping so many people and it's, it's a journey that I feel like is relatable to, Mm to some capacity, right? Whether it's, um, feeling like you have to be perfect at something, whether you are obsessing over your weight or your looks or, you know, comparison or whatever it is, especially this is, you know, a self-improvement podcast. And a lot of people that listen are, you know, in, they work out or, um, you know, want to take care of themselves. And I feel like we can all relate to your story to, um, on some capacity. So, I appreciate you sharing. And also we are going to be doing um, a giveaway. So Kate is giving away a 40-minute uh, appointment. We're going to pick one winner on 11 30 so november 30th so you have a week after this show is posted all you have to do is share to your story tag at Kate on instagram and tag myself at lauren L-A-U-R-E-N period Kubat. i don't know why i spelled the, the, all that out all of our information is i'm so used to doing that at stores when they're like what's your last yep. name what's your first name I I, I get L O R I N. I get, is that a girl name or a boy name? I get it all the time. So I guess I need to write that out. Anyway, our information will be in the show notes. Very, very simple. All you have to do is tag us. You can win a 45 minute appointment with Kate, just kind of being able to talk about the journey you're on. And so she can help you because you don't have to do this alone. So, and there is an actual winner. It's not one of those IG things where there's no winner. (laughs) There will be a (laughs) winner. So um, make sure you tag us and Kate, just thank you for being so vulnerable and transparent and uh, sharing all your information with us. No,
1: of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so special. I think it's such a gift to be able to create spaces like this for people to come on and share and make me feel comfortable and supported. And this was perfect. Couldn't have been better
0: yay awesome so glad like we met the day we met and we had a connection and it just this is why it's so fun to do this podcast because I have people messaging me all the time like oh we you know you'd be interested in so and so and it's like just you get to connect on a whole deeper level and if this conversation can help somebody else out there it's, it's so rewarding on so many levels so I appreciate you and I appreciate you listener for tuning in today And remember, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision. And one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again, and remember to go after the life you want. Bye, guys.